after the next. They are etched into the hard, cold earth as one person follows another, each traveler doing a small part to make the way clear for those who come behind. Each person's journey imprinted on the landscape. But then, someone bravely steps off the trail and explores in a new direction. He looks for a new adventure and his daring beckons others to follow. And step after step, a new trail is formed. Yes, the old trail remains. The paths formed over countless years by numerous travelers. Forgotten? Maybe. Grown over? Perhaps. Yet still so important. These paths tell a story. These paths point the way. These paths lead to places where we need to go. These paths lead to a God that we need to know. These paths are the ancient paths. Life trails, take your next step. Well, how many of you would describe yourself as a routine person? Okay, the, the fact that you're sitting in the same seat that you sit in every single Sunday should be an indication to yourself that you need to raise your hand here. But, but just in case you're wondering, I want to just do a little bit of a quiz here. So 10 questions, and like, you can raise your hand if you want to, but we're going to see how routine you actually are. How many of you get up at the same time every day? How many of you, and you can count how many of these are true for you, how many of you make a cup, cup of coffee every morning or some type of breakfast thing, all right? How many of you do things in the same order, you know, like your devotions, your food, your coffee, sorry, coffee, devotions, food, shower, dress, whatever, all right? How many of you drive the same way to work every day? How many of you listen to the same radio station? All right, how many of you start the day the same way, like maybe the first thing you do is clean out your inbox and your email? Okay, how many of you eat dinner at the same time? How many of you sit in the same spot at the dinner table every single time? How many of you pray before each of your meals? All right, and how many of you do the daily wordle? Okay, well, okay. How many of you got like all 10? That's you? Nine, eight, seven. Okay, look at you. We have some routine people here. Well, let me just talk about this Wordle to start with, if you're familiar with this. If not, this is a game that you could play. I think the New York Times just bought this. But you have five guesses, or excuse me, you have six lines there to guess what their word happens to be. And uh, you can see their first guess was a do. And well, they got the letter I correct, and it's in the right spot. You can see they're down on the third line. They got the letter B correct, but it's in the wrong spot. And you can see how this person got to where the, actually the mystery word was bring. And you can play this every day. And the fun part about this is that you can share this with different friend groups. Or in our case, we do this as a family. And so every day, the family checks in on uh, the Wordle to see who got it and how many guesses it took before we got the right word for Wordle. Well, we were, we were on a Zoom call all last uh, Sunday night with uh, Allie out in, in uh, Pasadena and Luke's in Grand Rapids now and uh, Lindsay's in uh, Wheaton, and we're all gathered on this Zoom call, and we start talking about the Wordle, and everybody's doing it, and the question that Kelly asked was, well, how many of you always start with the same word? And Allie's like, well, I do, totally, 
And the funny thing is that Allie and Kelly does too. Allie and Kelly start with the exact same word every day, and that's how they do it. And Luke's like, well, I start with the same word too. And this is the word that Luke likes to start with because it wipes out like four of your five vowels immediately out of the gate to know what vowels you have in the word. And then Lindsay pipes up and says, not me. I just think up a new word every day. And I'm like, yes, Lindsay, you are my girl. And that's just how our family is. Allie is miniature uh, Kelly, and Lindsay is miniature Brent. And Luke, we have no clue, but he's a part of us still. But it just was a great picture of routine. Because Kelly and Allie are very routine people, and so they're going to put the same words in there every day. And Lindsay and I are a little bit, you know, we're more random. And so we're going to put in whatever. And Luke did this. He said, well, you know, some people, they actually take the, the wordle word of the day and they use it as their first word of the next day. And so that has been my thing all week long. I have been doing that. And yesterday, yesterday, catch this people, I got the word in two guesses, two guesses. See if you can top that. All right. But I want to talk about, well, routines this morning. And I still have my routines. I eat the same thing for lunch every day. I also have this routine. I always eat my dinner in the same order. I don't mix my foods. You start with the vegetables because they get cold the fastest. And then you eat kind of your pasta, uh, potatoes, that kind of stuff. And then you eat your meat because it holds its temperature the longer. And then if you have bread, you can have that after the meat. Anybody else do that? Yeah, all three of us, we're going to get together. We're, uh, I'll have my own table down there, okay? Salad for, no, salad, yes, we'll do, we'll do that all in order. But here's the deal about routines. They're good because they're comfortable and they're safe and they're mindless. And we live in a world right now where there's so much information being thrown at us and we're constantly having to make decision after decision after decision. That it's nice that we have our routines because we don't have to think about that. I remember when my kids were in school, they went to a school where they had to wear school uniforms. And they loved it because it was just like one less decision to make every morning. You just wore the same thing every single day because we like routines and they are good. But you know what? Routines can be bad as well. And here's why. Because they're comfortable and because they are safe and because they are mindless. And so the same things that can make a routine good are the things that can make a routine bad. But I mentioned routines this morning because all of us have spiritual routines as well. Or maybe we should say we should have spiritual routines, or maybe we're questioning that. Should we have spiritual routines? Are these good things or are these bad things? But that we have these things that are part of our routine we might call them habits, they might call them practices, but they are actually the spiritual paths that we walk day after day after day, and they start to define our faith. And sometimes those are good things, but sometimes those routines become mindless, and not just mindless, sometimes those routines become heartless or thoughtless. And we start to walk these paths day after day, without even thinking about what we're doing. Oh, it's time to eat? Oh, let's say a prayer. And we just say the same prayer. I remember when I was a kid growing up, I used, my dad prayed for every meal, and I just would quote it along with him because it was the same prayer like every time. It was, you know, he was grateful, I'm sure, for his meal, but we fall into those routines, and, and that's something that, that a lot of us struggle with as well. But that's why we're looking at ancient paths this morning, 
And I'm going to take this morning to, to, to describe this series and where we're going. And so I want to invite you to turn with me to uh, Jeremiah chapter 6. Verse number 16 is where we're going to be reading. Now, the book of Jeremiah is not a book that we've spent a lot of time in as a church. And there are various reasons for that. So because it's not familiar, though, let me give you a little bit of backstory on who Jeremiah is and what this book is all about. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was a prophet to Judah in Jerusalem, so the southern kingdom, if you know the, the history of Israel. But he was a prophet over the span of about 40 years, and he was a prophet during the reign of five different kings. When you get to the end of, of um, Jeremiah's uh, ministry, the captivity takes place, and the Babylonians come in, and they capture uh, Jerusalem, and they carry away many of the Jews into captivity. Well, what uh, Jeremiah's role was is he was trying to warn the people that this was going to happen. And he was trying to get their attention to say, hey, whoa, whoa, time out. Look, hey, everybody, God's not happy with you. God's not happy with your faith, your spirituality. And if you're not careful, it's going to lead to disaster and destruction, and it's going to lead to this captivity. The problem was that nobody listened to him. And for 40 years, he stood and he spoke, and there was no response. And if, from a very human standpoint, he was very much a failure. And even in that day, he kind of became an outcast because everybody's tired of listening to him. All you do is talk about doom and gloom, Jeremiah. We don't even want to listen to you. And, and so they pushed him out to the peripheral, even in their society there. In, in his crime, he was just merely speaking for God. And so when we get to this passage here, this is one of uh, Jeremiah's prophecies. And it's actually, he's just repeating what God says. And that becomes very obvious as we read this. But he's begging for the listeners to make a response and to make the right response. But what he's talking about here is what we started out talking about. He's talking about routines. And so as we read this this morning, try to pick that up, what Jeremiah has to say. We're in verse number 16 of Jeremiah chapter 6. He says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. And ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is, and walk in it. And to be clear here, he's not talking about a, a physical, literal crossroads. Uh, he's talking about a, 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 um, a metaphor here. And spiritually, he's saying, you need to reflect on what's going on in your life spiritually. How are you doing right now? But he says this, if you will follow the good way, walk in it, you will find rest for your souls. But you people said we will not walk in it. Kind of a, hey, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. We're kind of doing our own thing here. We're good. Uh, please don't bother us. And they just kind of blow that off. And so he goes on and he says, verse number 17, this is God speaking. I appointed watchmen like Jeremiah over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. And that would be a person who stands at the wall of the city, sees an enemy approaching and blows the trumpet as a warning to everybody. He says, listen to the trumpet. But you said, no, nope, we're not going to listen. La, 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 la. And God responds and says, therefore, hear you nations. And he's changing who he's addressing here. He's been addressing the Jews in Jerusalem. Now he's going to talk to the, the, the nations surrounding uh, uh, Judah there. He says, hear you nations, you who are witnesses. Observe what's going to happen. Hear you earth. 
I am going to bring disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and they have rejected my law. Judgment is coming. Jerusalem is going to fall. And it's not my fault. It's their fault because they wouldn't listen. But then verse 20 is a really, really interesting verse that goes with this passage. God speaking against us, what do I care about incense from Sheba or sweet calamus from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. The offerings and the sacrifices were the visible and visual practices of the Jewish people. They were the routines that they followed spiritually. And so what we have is a people who are simply going through the motions and are following this same path day after day. And they were even sometimes going out and getting the, the fancy sacrifices and the fancy offerings and bringing them in. And they were patting themselves on their back and saying, you know what, we're doing great spiritually here. And God says, oh, no, 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 you're not. Because your routines have become a bad thing. Because they become thoughtless and they become mindless and they become heartless. And you think you're doing fine because you're maintaining your routines. But the truth of the matter is it's simply pretense and empty performance. So, you are standing at a crosswords, Jewish people. There's the prophets blowing trumpets. And I'm trying to give you one more chance to listen and to make a change. So how does that apply to us? Because this is something that was written to the Jews, and that really doesn't pertain to us, and there's some truth to that. And yet it was written to God's people. And we today, as God's people, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, I think we can look at this story and say, oh, time out. maybe we need to stand here at these crossroads and ask ourselves, how are we doing? How are we doing spiritually? And maybe it's God today speaking to us and saying, hey, I want your attention here. I want you to stop, and I want you to think about this. So as God's people, we stand at these crossroads. And while we are not Jews, we still are his people, the church. And I wonder if this message doesn't come to us as a church. And I don't mean just as the church is water for community church. I mean as the church at large. And maybe even as we talk about the church in, in North America today. Because I am wondering if we're not at the same place. Where we're as church to say, hey, yeah, we're doing great. You know, we're here on Sunday mornings. We're watching online. And, and uh, you know, I'm reading my Bible. And, and, and we're doing all these things. And I wonder if God's like, nah, not so much. Because part of this, though, is, is because... The church, I think, can get off track. And we even see that today. And again, I'm not necessarily talking about just our church. But we see in our world today, we see the church of, of little to no commitment. It used to mean, uh, regular attendance in a church used to mean that you're basically there four out of five Sundays or three out of four. Now when they do the, like these surveys and they say, are you a regular attender of a church? If you are there twice a month, they consider you a regular attender of church. And that's just become somewhat the norm that we see throughout, throughout our, our, uh, the landscape here. We see the, the church of political power, 
where, where we've become way more about imposing our moral will and, and our political power on the world than we are about just sharing the life-transforming message of the gospel with people. And we see churches drifting in that direction. We see churches that are all about discipleship without evangelism. Well, the first part of the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. And that's, you know, you can't take evangelism out of the discipleship process. We see today the church of what I would say, the church of men versus the church of God. And there's a lot of churches that are built on the personality of the people leading it rather than on the God that it's supposed to be about. And we end up following Pastor X more than we actually follow Jesus. We see today the church of anger, especially with itself. And if you like get on Twitter or whatever like that, it's like crazy how Christians go after Christians. I'm like, well, time out. But we see this in our world today, this kind of church. We see the church of best business practices. We've gotten so good at some churches as following the models of great businesses in our society that we can, we can build great churches. The question is, though, does God have anything to do with it? And I've heard this said, you know, there may be some churches where we could remove God and nobody would ever notice. But we've got all these different churches. And then we have the church of habit and ritual where we know what to do and we have these practices that we do, but it's just obligation or it's just soothing our conscience or it's simply going through the motions. And this is the situation in Jeremiah's day. So we can use his message as a call out to the church. But just a reminder... The church is just about the people who attend. The people who are the followers of Christ. The people who make it up. And so when we look at a situation, a story, a passage like this today, this is really a call out to you and me. We're standing at the crossroads. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at God's plea again. But instead of a plea to the people of Jerusalem, let it be a plea to the people of Waterford. And let it be to, instead of a group of people over here, let it be to us as individuals as we sit here or watch here this morning. So let's go back to verse number 16. And let's read this verse again. It says this, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, no, we're not going to walk in it. But as we look at this verse here, there are five verbs in this verse that I want to look at here this morning. The first one, it says, stand at the crossroads. Stand is our first verb. And let me see if we can get our clicker working this week. Here we go. Stand at the crossroads. The idea here is to stop walking and to consider where you are and to pause for a moment and to evaluate. Now, we live in a world that's like in constant motion. Go, 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 go. And we fall right into that. And, we, and, and we've, you know, we're constantly on the move. We've got schedules packed all the way up to the top here. Uh, all of our free time, well, we don't have free time because whatever free time we have, we go ahead and spend it on something like that. And even our free spaces, even our heads, we just go, 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 go. And we don't have time in our lives. And we actually don't have time in our hearts where we just stop and pause sometimes and go, And if we sit for more than five minutes, we feel guilty about it. And so we get up and go, go on again. But we do this in our spiritual lives too. 
We're spiritualized. This become one activity after the next. Oh, I got to get to church. Oh, I got this ministry thing. Oh, we got this small group. Oh, we got this. And all those things are good things, but we can get ourselves going so fast that we never take time in our spiritual lives to pause and to contemplate. And this is God's instruction to his people here. It's like, whoa, stop. Okay. You're standing at the crossroads now. And what does he say next? He says, look. And it's more than just like look around and see what's going on. It's this idea of looking down the road. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in, in talking about what wisdom is. But the call here from God to the people is look where you are and look where you want to be. Look where you are and look where you're heading. And take a minute here to contemplate, to think this through, where are you going? And so that's a great question for us this morning. As we sit here, and as you look at your spiritual life, where are you? Maybe it'd even be good to say, where have I come from, and where am I going? And maybe the crazy thing is we're going 90 miles an hour, and yet we're still stuck. But we need to, we need to stop for a minute, pause, and look, and think about where you want to go, and think about the spiritual objectives and outcomes that you're hoping for. Are the paths that you're taking getting you there? Well, then he says to do this. He says, stand at the crossroads. He says, look. Help. You guys are going to have to help me out again in the back here. So, And then we get to the third thing there, and he says, ask for the ancient paths. So we'll advance to the next slide there. Answer for the ancient past. And the word there, ask, means more than just say which way is the ancient past. The idea here is to research the ancient past or to check in with people who may know something or, or request for help. But, but do your homework so that you know what past you're talking about here. And he talks about the ancient past to start with. Well, what were the ancient past? What he's literally talking about here is go back to where your faith got started. Well, in Jeremiah's time, that would mean going back to you know, people like Noah or going back to people like Abraham or, or going back to, to, to people like uh, you know, Joseph. And maybe even a little bit more modern, even to the, like, the early kings of David or, or, or the early prophets like Samuel. But he's saying go back to those people but it's not just those people. He's go back to the ways that they lived their lives. Go back to the faith that they showed. Go back to the righteousness that they lived by. Go back to the values that they hold. Go back to the devotion that they showed. Go back to the surrender that you see evident in their lives there. Go back to those past. But the interesting thing about that word ancient is it doesn't exactly mean just old. It actually means perpetual. Go back to the paths that were and continue to be is the idea. So go back to these ancient paths that are tried and true, that where we see faith played out. Go back to those paths and start following those paths. But then he says not just to go back to the ancient path. He says go back to the good paths. And he actually puts a qualifier on there and his point here is that ancient doesn't make a path good. Good makes a path good. And there can be ancient paths that might be bad paths and wrong paths. There could be teaching that's not going to get you in the right spot. So make sure that as you go back to some of these ancient paths, you're actually going back to what's good. And it, 
necessitates some discernment on our part. And then we get to the fourth verb here, and he says, walk in it. Walk in it. Once you have stopped, come to your crossroads and stop. Once you have looked, once you have discerned the path that you need to take, then you need to start moving in that direction. There's a pause, but that pause is just long enough for us to move in the right direction. And so there's a change of action that comes out of this. A change of direction that is an action that comes out of this. And then it gets to the, first, the fifth verb there. He says, find rest for your soul. Find rest for your soul. Now, this is a little bit different because this is passive rather than active. So it's not that you're supposed to go in pursuit of rest. That sounds a little counterintuitive anyhow, doesn't it? The idea is if you'll take these first ones, if you'll consider, if you'll look, if you, if you will... Um, Ask if you will walk. When you do that, you will experience rest in your soul. It's a result. You do the first four, the fifth one's going to happen here. Now, we live in an age of restlessness. We use that word. If we stop to really think about that, restlessness means that there's stuff going on inside of me that's, that's fighting against the rest that should be in my soul. And how do we deal with that? When we deal with restlessness, most of us have like this churning inside. And so what we do is we look around for something outside that's moving at the same pace. And we try to get in sync with this. And so we just keep going faster and faster. And hopefully this will solve our, our restlessness. But what this often leads to is anxiety. And it leads to fatigue. And, and yes, we're in sync, but we're going at a pace that's never been God's intention. And what God says, hey, is if you'll follow these ancient paths, if you'll go through these steps here, I'm going to give you rhythms and I'm going to give you rest where you can sit back even in your soul and go, maybe that's what you need this morning. And here's how to get it. So how do we get to this place of rest this morning? Well, the answer partly here is we're told is to go back to these ancient paths, and we're going to do a series about ancient paths. And what do we mean? What is the point? What's going on here? What we're actually going to be talking about is some objectives that we can pull from the past or use the past to help us reach those objectives. And I'd like to identify them this morning. There's four things here. And this is a little bit of a preview for where we're going, but it'll give us something to think about this morning as, as we talk about this idea of routines and even as we add in this idea of rest. The first thing is this. We want to expose our spiritual complacency. We want to expose our spiritual complacency. And this is what this passage that we just read is all about. It's about realizing that we can go through the motions and become convinced that we're doing just fine when there's not really a whole lot of thought or a real lot of heart to, to, to what's going on spiritually. Oh, look, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing what I've always been doing. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And what we want to do is to take some time through this series to actually confront ourselves and to look at ourselves and say, am I doing okay here? Or am I just going through the motions? It's so easy to put ourselves on cruise control, but if we can expose ourselves to ourselves 
maybe we can start to, de to deal with some issues in our lives. The second thing that we want to accomplish here is we want to explore our spiritual heritage. We want to explore our spiritual heritage. And so we can go back into the scriptures and, and we can look at what the scriptures teach us. And it's interesting to me, if you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament provides the spiritual heritage of the nation of Israel. And then we jump over to the New Testament, and the New Testament provides the spiritual heritage of the church. And it goes all the way through about 80, 90, 95, when, we were, when John wrote the last book of the New Testament, which is the, the Revelation. And that closed the canon of Scripture, and so we haven't added to that. But what we've done then is that's 95. We're out here in 2022. We have almost 2,000 years of church history out there that most of us, and I'm not much better than anybody else here, don't know a whole lot about. Now, we're not getting new scripture, new revelation here, but you know what? There are a lot of Christ followers in these 2,000 years who were passionate about their faith like a St. Patrick. And the question is, can we actually go back and look at some of these people and say, what can we learn from their stories? What can we learn from their lives? What can we learn from their faith? And so that's part of what we want to be doing with this ancient past uh, series that we're looking at for the next month or so. Thirdly, we want to examine some spiritual practices. Now, we talk about these routines, and spiritual practices can become routines, and it depends whether or not you let them become routine, whether they're good or not. But there's some spiritual practices from the, the church past that we've kind of discarded. And one of the reasons I think that we've discarded them is because they started to become routine and they became meaningless and they became rote and they became ritual and nobody was paying a bit of attention. And it's like, why, why are we doing this? We're not paying any attention. Let's just move on. And the question is, well, maybe we can go back to where they got started and say, well, that has some value. Now, we got away from that, but is there something that we can learn there? And we're actually going to do this for in the next several weeks, is look at some of these practices that we might find in the early church or in the past and say, hey, well, let's think about those. And they're going to fall into two categories. They're going to fall into some that are corporate, that are practices that we can do together as a church. And we'll be talking about one of those next week. And then we're going to be talking about some practices that are more private or personal, that are just you. And then the, the weeks three and four, we're going to be talking about that. And then we'll come back at the end to another corporate look at these practices. But we want to explore them to say, can these practices help us make progress and grow in our faith? Because we want everything, that, to do everything that we can to become the people that God wants us to become. Now, let me just say here, though, they are practices, and practices can lead you to spiritual maturity, but they don't necessarily make you spiritually mature, and the fact that you do them doesn't either. And so we need to see them from, from the right standpoint. But we're going to work on these practices. And then fourthly, we want to experience spiritual transformation. And this is really the goal where we're going with this whole series is spiritual transformation. Now, this is a term that gets used sometimes in churches, and other times we use a word discipleship. And a lot of times, in fact, discipleship is used a lot more. And we have a tendency to mean the same thing when we're talking about them, but they're not exactly the same thing. And so I want to separate them a little bit this morning, a little bit where we're going. When we talk about discipleship, most of the time we're talking about Christian living. 
Here are things, we study the Bible, here are things that we can learn, here are truths that we can know, that we can put into practice and apply into our lives, and that will help us as we follow Christ. And that will help us to grow in our faith. And that's all, that's all good. I'm all for all of that. But spiritual formation takes a little bit different direction. And it goes not from so much, here's what I need to do as a Christian, but here's who I want to become as a Christian. And so it moves out of the action realm into a little bit more of the being realm. And that's what we're going to be exploring. In, in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 19, Paul talks about this. He uses the phrase, he says, until Christ be formed in you. And if you back up just for a second to, to when we did the Inside Guide series on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is at work transforming us. What we're looking at is can we take some of these spiritual practices, even from the past, that have biblical roots, and can we try them with the hope and with the prayer that God would use them to form us, not just in what we do, but in who we are. And that's our objective here. So for the next few weeks, our services are going to feel a little bit different. And you may have noticed that already this morning. And I was talking to Chris about that. And I'm like, here's some of the things that we want to do. And he's like, okay, I'm good with that. But everybody needs to know that's you, not me. So if we're doing some different things, you know, it's not the new guy. It's like, hey, and you know what? When I say we do some new things, it's kind of a little bit of ironic because we're going to do some old things. And in the process of that, hopefully it'll kind of jog us spiritually to say, huh, and give us something to think about and to experience. But I did want to at least, you know, let Chris off the hook there. And after five weeks, it's all on him though, okay? So just so you know. Now let me just wrap up this morning. For those of you who are really into the outline there, I just really bothered you because I skipped over point number six. All right, so let's go ahead and hit it. I didn't skip it. Uh, inadvertently, I skipped it on purpose. Let's look at verse number 17 again. He said, I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we won't listen. The last verb that shows up there is the word listen. And this verb listen, though, actually means hearken. It's not a word that we use a lot, but the idea of hearken is that I hear what you have to say, I take that information, and I use it somehow. So back a week, week and a half ago, we had the big snowstorm, and they were threatening, you know, like eight feet of snow, and we got like that much. But what do you do? You run out to the grocery store, and you buy whatever you buy, milk and bread. I don't know why you buy milk and bread, because you never eat that normally, but anyhow. You run out to the grocery store, and you buy this stuff. What did you do? You hearkened to the weather report. Oh, snow's coming, I better do something about that. And this is the last verb that shows up here, and it literally means hearken. Here's what God is saying. We are standing at a crossroads today. Each one of us. That's me, and that's you. Because God has brought us to this scripture and to this story. And the question is, will you hearken? Because God may be saying, hey, you're all about your routines, but there's no heart to it. You're all about showing up and doing what you're supposed to be doing, but are you really becoming who I want you to become? You're all about appearances here, and everybody at Waterford Community Church would think that you're doing fine. But if we could peel back the layers and actually look at what's going on in your heart, in this relationship that you have with God, we're standing at a crossroads. Choose the ancient path. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the word that comes to us and the word that confronts us sometimes and the word that rebukes us sometimes. And, and I feel a little bit that way this morning. That there's some routines in my life that I just do because I've done them for so long. But the heart maybe isn't there. And maybe that's where you are where you sit this morning. And you need to consider in your life, in your heart, Is there really reality to this routine? Is there heartfelt passion? Am I really giving myself to this or am I just doing what I feel like I should be doing? And if that's where you are this morning where you, you're standing at that crossroads and may, maybe it's time to look, maybe it's time to ask, maybe it's time to walk in it, maybe it's time to listen, maybe it's time to hearken. Will you do that this morning? For the person who sits here and says, I don't even have a relationship with God. It's Jesus Christ who provides that for us, who came to this earth, who died on a cross and rose again. We sung about him. We sung about what he did this morning. And we're going to finish by singing about him. But if you don't have that relationship with him, I would encourage you this morning, where you sit, you can invite him into your life to forgive your sins, to stop trusting yourself, to ask you to give you a new life in relationship with God. Would you do that? And so, Heavenly Father, we commit ourselves to you. I pray that you would help us to choose the ancient paths, the tried and true, that will lead us not just to do what we should do, but to become who you want us to become. And we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to finish today with a hymn, and we're going way back. In fact, we're going back to the 600s for this hymn. The language is a little bit archaic, but the words are absolutely incredible. And it's become a little bit more popular in recent years. But as we finish this morning, really lock in on these words and sing it as your prayer this morning.